How'd you feel about your performance tonight? Personal or team? Uh, personally. Personal was uh, was actually all right, I think. You know, like tidy on the ball and won the duels that I had to win. But in the end, uh, nobody gives a damn uh, what you do when you lose 2 nil. But that's uh, a bit irrelevant, I think, how you do personal. It's just uh, not great, not great result. You know, you're down one or two goals, you know, you fight to the end. I think uh, you saw the response we gave tonight, you know, we lost we lost 2 nothing, but, um, you know, I think second half, there's, there's only one team touched the ball, we, you know, we, we press and press and press, and unfortunately we couldn't break the deadlock, but, um, you know, we're coming off the back of a tremendous, a tremendous streak, uh, that momentum is still with us, you know, we're, we've only uh, dropped points in three games now out of 14, I think it is. And, uh, you know, we'll be looking to continue that. Nothing will change going into the next game against Seattle. Um, how do you feel that the game went? Uh, the game didn't go as expected, but um, I, think, I think we came in, like, light, you know what I mean? Knowing that, like, the team is, like, at the bottom, RGB is at the bottom, so we came in and took them to our advantage, you know? And, but it's, it's fine, though. I think uh, next game we're going to pull back and uh, get a dub. I think once playoff kicks in, Everyone's gonna wake up, and then that that hunger is gonna be there as always. You know, right now we're we're comfortable. You know, which we shouldn't be, but we're comfortable where we're at. You know, what I mean, we know whatever we're gonna make playoffs, but still, our goal is to be number one. Got it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. favorite bagel? Favorite bagel? Egg bagel, bro. Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> good choice. That was Yosh Hoyveld, Richard Chaplo, and Michael Seaton after the loss on Saturday to RGVFC. And I just got to ask, what's your favorite bagel? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we are underway from the champion soccer stadium, first time into the box, it's a great ball, and it bolts in! Oh, it's a world-class goal from Orange County. Chablo, Chablo will have a go off the deflection, and it finds its way in. Selbo shooting from the corner, he put it in! Second opportunity as Andre Rawls shuts it down. This ball finds the top left corner, and Orange County has struck again. Past Hashimoto, Segbert shooting, scoring! Escalante sits on it, and Rawls somehow was ready. And I like, and I like over the top, and it down, it's in! Orange County equalizes! What a debut! Not only for the stadium, but for Sola Avalaji. Are you ready, Orange County? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast that's dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samore, and I'm with you each and every episode as we talk all things Orange County Soccer Club. And joining me, like he does each and every week, is Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how is everything going for you today? It's going pretty good. How are you, Ray? Doing good, doing good. Uh, you know, trying to get used to our new recording schedules that we got going on here. Uh, for those of you that have, don't follow us on Twitter, we're changing things up a little bit here thanks to 
uh, some schooling scheduling here, uh, and we're going to be recording now on Wednesdays, releasing our episodes on Thursdays, uh, so that we can make sure both of us, uh, Dylan and myself, are here with you uh, to discuss Orange County. Really quick before we get into the thick of things, though, Dylan, you know, we heard Michael Seaton talk about his favorite bagel. Uh, what is your favorite type of bagel? You know, I actually got to completely agree with him here. Egg bagels are probably, uh, I would consider, the ultimate supreme bagel. Egg bagels, the ultimate supreme bagel. You know, uh, you, you guys can go with those plain tasting bagels uh, if you want. Uh, my favorite bagel, there's a, a place over here where we live. Um, I live in uh, Liso Viejo. There's a bagel shop called uh, Bagels and Brew. And my favorite bagel comes from there. It is a Monterey Jack with Ortega chili bagel. Uh, and I usually will do that with uh, a fresh salsa type of cream cheese or even do it with a BLT or something like that. So. I got to go a little less plain than uh, yourself and Michael uh, for the bagels. All right, so let's go ahead and get right into the thick things. We have a couple of matches that took place over this past week since we last spoke with you. Uh, one of them took place uh, real, literally a week ago from when we're recording this. That was when Orange County traveled up to Portland to face Portland Timbers 2. Uh, and what ended up being a pretty good match uh, with between two teams that were in a pretty good run of form. Uh, and in the match, uh, luckily, Orange County was able to come out victorious in that one three two. Dylan, what were your what, what's your first impression on uh, you know what you saw in that match? Well, I know we've been talking a lot about the last few weeks about uh, Michael Seaton being on fire, but uh, you know, Gold Gold Tally kind of swapped back in favor of Anna Holson in this match. Um, he had two just top class finishes, um, really showing kind of our attacking quality. I think, uh, you know, yeah, Enna Olsen was just amazing in the match. I, I love his second goal of the match. It was sort of this, like, karate chop at the ball or karate kick at the ball. Uh, I don't know if it was – he. I, I couldn't really tell what he hit the ball with as far as which part of his foot. Um, unfortunately, watching it on ESPN, I was watching it uh, a little bit on my cell phone when I was, when I was watching some of that. Uh, but that, that, that fun side – karate-looking kick of a goal was a pretty amazing goal from Enna Voldsen, uh, who had an amazing night on that night. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, the other scorer was what? Uh, Alex Alex Cornelli, I think, was the other scorer on the night. Um, that was a pretty nice, uh, you know, rebound goal, I guess, what we'll call it there from, from him. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't like he had a, a shot from the half line or anything. It was really just a tap-in, but he was in the right place at the right time to get that follow-up and uh, put County back in the lead. I mean, that's usually what you would uh, hope from your players. That was, I believe, on a free kick. Uh, anytime you can get uh, get in the right position, because when you have that free kick like that, you know, the, the ball's probably going to bounce out somewhere, uh, just being in the right spot. And sometimes that's luck. You're luckily in the right spot. But, you know, the, the fact that he was paying attention to what's going on, because although it looks pretty simple when you're watching that, uh, you know, when the ball is rebounding off the goalie, the goalie made a great save initially. When the ball's rebounding, it takes a really split-second reaction to be able to get the right type of touch on that to get it in the goal. Now, in this case, it wasn't this, like, ricochet that was, like, you know, high-paced at Alex Cornelli, but still, you have to be able to react quick enough to make sure you get the right touch on it because you'll see this multiple times, uh, regardless of the quality of the league, where that happens and the player just can't get the right touch on it and the ball, you know, goes right to the side of the goalpost. Yeah, I mean, I can confidently tell you that I would have somehow put that over the crossbar <laughs> I, yeah i probably would have like hit it like five to ten feet to the left of the uh of the uh, pole so 
you know, again, props to uh, him for being in the right spot at the right time and for having that quick reaction uh, to getting that uh, that ball in the net. And then the the first Thomas Enavoldson uh, goal, I can't quite remember exactly how that happened. Do you have uh, an idea off the top of your head how that one happened? Yeah, Dylan? it was a it was a a bit of a deeper cross into the box, or I guess a little more shallow of a cross into the box. Um, just kind of skipping around about maybe 10, 15 yards out and um, went past. Uh, one, two players, and then Anna Bolton was just sitting um, towards the back of the box and got to take a couple steps up and just slot it right back in. Now, I, I now that you were explaining it, uh, you know, I totally remember exactly what happened there, and it was a pretty nice, uh, some nice pace on that shot as well, which was uh, definitely beneficial uh, in getting it past the goalie there. But um, you know, it was it was interesting to see. It, it just seemed like that ball just kept going past like player, player, player. Whether it was Orange County's player. Or Portland's player, when you're watching that on the on the stream, it just looks like you know someone has to eventually get that ball, and, and luckily it got right to Thomas Enavoldson and, and to his feet, and he was able to uh, get that past the goalie. Yeah, I don't remember who it was. Um, it might have been Mont Spearman, but there was a really nice feint, um, and just other than that, it was really abysmal defending from uh, Timbers two that left him all alone, uh, left Enavoldson all alone back there to just take his time and line up that shot. Um, with basically no pressure on him. No, definitely, definitely. And, and you know, the interesting thing with, with all of this is uh, it wasn't just Orange County that was scoring. I mean, those were three three nice goals to see as an Orange County fan. Uh, but, you know, Portland kept themselves in the match, although when you watch what was going on, probably Orange County is, has a lot to blame with what happened, or at least uh, the goalkeeping um, played a big factor in that. Uh, it wasn't Luis Lopez's... Uh, greatest match out there for Orange County. Uh, I know that first goal you sort of have to look at and I think I had to replay it a couple times on like what the what the heck was he thinking? Uh, you know, just sort of lazily playing with the ball uh, right in the, the box. What were your thoughts on that first goal that, uh, or what Lopez was doing there that led up to that first goal for Portland? Yeah, when I, when I saw that goal, I was not pleased. That run above play was really, really poor. Um, there's been something about goalkeepers, uh, maybe uh, maybe just worldwide at this point, where this, uh, this focus of playing out the back has been so paramount that when goalkeepers get themselves into trouble, they, rather than just hoof it out and, and um, get the team to regroup with some time, getting the ball down in the half line, they just try for a quick little pass, um, even if it's in really poor place, like right up the uh, center of the pitch. Um... I don't know if this is like everyone seeing the success that Pep Guardiola has had now with three different clubs and, and trying to adapt and do a similar style of play or, or whatever it is, but we saw it with um, Fabian Serda for Tulsa a few weeks ago and he actually got subbed off as a result. Um, I think Diego Restrepo from San Antonio also had something similar happen and now um, Lopez, I think these are those three examples are just where they've been penalized for it. Um, but even just not in the USL across the world at this point, goalkeepers are being pressured and they're expected to play at their feet. And to a large part, they have adapted to do that. But when they find themselves in too much trouble and they can't play out of it, rather than just uh, hoofing the ball out, for some reason, it's a change to a short pass. And then when that pass reaches an opposing player and they're 30 yards out, a couple touches or a pass to one of their teammates and there's a goal. Well, and with what happened in that play, I mean, you look at it is is when he did uh, 
do what he did with the ball. He's now out of position. The ball gets to Portland, and now, you know, instead of just focusing on what's going on with the ball, Lopez is also having to focus on where am I supposed to be position-wise? I need to move back. Uh, and it just totally throws your game off. And, and you know, like you said, Dylan, it, it's it's one of those instances where I think any fan, yes, we probably would still be frustrated with how it played out, but I think you can ask any Orange County fan on that play. Uh, they would have rather just seen him just boot that ball out of bounds, like you said, to give the defense a chance to reset. You know, yes, you're giving the ball back to Portland. They're still going to be able to put pressure on you, but I'd rather have that happen. And I think any Orange County fan would rather have that happen than give up sort of a, a, a silly goal in a situation where you don't really have to do that, uh, which you know is, is very frustrating at times. Definitely. Um, Lopez's positioning throughout that match was... Um, a little bit weird. I know he's a really aggressive goalkeeper, which is to a point um, fun to watch and exciting. And um, if teams don't expect it or aren't used to attackers aren't used to it, um, is really effective. But a couple times, actually both goals, he just got caught out of position. The first one was a was a poor pass that um, just found its way straight to the feet of a Timbers two player. But the second time around, um, header came out for um, Langdorf's goal, and he was just a little too far off of his line for what needed to be. Um, Langdorf did get needlessly um, isolated and had space to get that header off, but even more so than that, um, Lopez was almost all the way to the top of his six-yard box, and as a result, that that headers went right over him. Um, I don't know what I mean. He's obviously he's obviously quality. Um, he's he has some caps internationally for Honduras and, and LAFCC something in him to have him. Um, it's been nice and he's been in a nice presence when he's played for us. But against Timbers too, I mean, I think he said it earlier, but he definitely did not have a great match. Well, on that second goal, you brought that up. Is you sort of watched the replay on that? He, I think uh, he just had a lack of knowledge of who was where on the pitch. Uh, he went to go try and make maybe be aggressive and try and get that ball instead of waiting sort of where the to find out where the players were going to come from and get the ball. So he, he made that sort of commitment to go and either punch the ball or grab the ball. Uh, unfortunately, the Portland player got in front of him, got that header on the ball. And now Lopez sort of is stumbling to try and make the room up. And, and the header was great because it was just a nice little over the top header, uh, not something uh, that the goalie had any shot of Lopez had zero shot of, of getting that. So as long as you can get it uh, where it needed to go, uh, it was in there. So, I mean, credit to, to Portland for a couple of goals, but again, a lot of it had to do with some poor distribution or poor positioning from Lopez and goal. Now we can't say Lopez was 100% horrible that match. Cause he did make probably one of the better saves of the weekend uh, on a, I believe it was on a free kick from uh, for Portland right outside the penalty box and he had to make a pretty good leap, and he had to get a nice touch on that ball to get it uh, to bounce over the, the crossbar. So uh, I don't know if you uh, recall that play, Dylan, or what your thoughts are on that one. He had another, um, I don't remember that one exactly, but he had another really strong um, save uh, towards the end of the first half. And, and like I said about being an aggressive goalkeeper, if attackers aren't used to it, um, and, and Portland did play against him when they came down, to Irvine, but uh, he just rushed out. He didn't hesitate at all. He rushed out, um, didn't didn't stutter or anything. Got out, cut off the angle, and, and made the save to keep it uh, one 0 Orange County. Um, 
I feel like lately there's been a lot of of stuttering where keepers will come out and then they realize, oh, maybe there's someone there, maybe I shouldn't be this far out, maybe I'll get chipped, and then they, they stop and then they end up in basically no man's land where they're not far enough out to really have cut off any angles and they're too far, they're, too, they're now too close to the attacker to where if a shot is off they don't have time to react. So um, he did make some mistakes, but he also came up with some pretty big saves as well. Um, and I mean, that's to be expected at this level, I guess. You'll have a little bit more um, of an issue in decision-making, I would say, over MLS or uh, maybe like Championship or, or Premier League sides or whatever First Division League you watch. Um, but there's still a, lot of, still a lot of quality that's evident. Well, as a goalkeeper in those situations, you have to—you basically have to make the commitment. You can't be willy-nilly. You can't—you uh, almost—it's almost like you can't change your mind once you once you go. You got to go for it. If you're gonna rush the player on the other team to try and you know cut the cut the angle off and sort of throw them off their their thing, you just have to go full steam at it. You can't—you sort of can't change your mind mid mid action there because then at that point you're you're like you said in no man's land. You're not close enough to the player to. Uh, have an impact on his you know shot or pass and you're not close enough to the goal to be able to make the reactions that you may need to make so um you know again i think that second goal sort of shows what, what you know with that where it was sort of that he wanted to commit to it but then he decided oh and it, he was out of position and, and and whatnot with that so uh, you know, luckily for Orange County, they scored enough goals where those couple of mistakes by Lopez didn't uh, didn't really matter. Although it did seem like it as you were getting towards the end of the match, uh, before Anna Voltsen, uh put that game winner away. You know, Orange County fans probably were looking at it as okay. You know, not the greatest performance from our goalie, not the you know absolute greatest here, but we'll take a point on the road against a quality team. Uh, and and then luckily Anna Voltsen threw the the second goal in the the game winner. So. Uh, to leave Portland, a team that had been playing well, uh, with a full three points, you couldn't really ask for anything better, at least on that night. Yeah, and, and to give Lopez some credit, um, he hasn't played much with Orange County this season, and he hasn't been training with the club, I don't believe. Um, he's been kind of up at L.A. and then back down in Orange County for matches and up in L.A. and, and back down when he's needed. Um, with that red card midweek to Andre, um, he got the nod. And I, I think he was just coming down from L.A. Or, I mean, I guess they were going up from L.A. Um, rather than being straight from the club. So there's going to be some issues, especially on, on headers where he may normally prefer to rush out um, and, and try and either parry the ball or, or to catch the ball in that situation versus um, where maybe Andre or Casey would normally prefer that the ball is played and then they can and they make it a save if necessary. So... It's growing pains, but um, similar to when uh, Joshua Evil first showed up, you know, there's just issues as a team settles in, or as a player settles into a team. No, definitely, and and like you said, if he's going back and forth between L.A. and Orange County, uh, a little a little bit more difficult. Now with goalie, maybe not as much as a uh, position player, because with a goalie, you sort of, although you have to have that communication with your team, you have to sort of know where your players are. You can sort of get thrown in a little bit easier there than, say, having to work with another mid, uh, midfielder or with another defensive player and, and really know where you need to be for your positioning on that. So, But again, uh, Orange County goes to Portland. Uh, those two teams had both been playing pretty well, and they're able to come away with the full three points, uh, which at that point put them at second place or kept them at second place in the West. Uh, Thomas Enifoltz and, you know, golden boot uh, 
guy that he is uh, with the two goals on that night, you know, increasing his his lead on that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, well, let's let before we move on, uh, let's go and sort of go with a, a player of the match or, um, you know, who you think the player of the match is. We'll start with you, Dylan. What would be your vote for player of the match against Portland? There's only one real option, I think, for that match, and it's it's got to be uh, Thomas Enneboldson. I mean, two goals and, and two great goals at that uh, to solidify three points. Definitely. Uh, I, I have to agree with you. Uh, Anna Voldson is what is and was my pick even before you said anything. I figured that's who you would say. Uh, but it, it's just one of those things. He had two great goals and uh, leaving that match as the you know leader for Golden Boot still uh, was a great way to top that off as well. Uh Unfortunately, the, I guess, positive or the great vibes from coming out of that match with Orange County on a great run of form didn't carry over too well against their next opponent, which was RGV FC Toros, who came into town on Saturday, I believe it was. And uh, this is, I, I, I think we've talked about in the past, Dylan, just seems every so often Orange County just sort of plays, you know, looks past an opponent or plays down to a level of an opponent. And this is probably one of those matches where you can say this is exactly what happened for Orange County. They just, uh, they, they weren't uh, as focused as they probably should have been. They were looking past RGV. Uh, I think we heard uh, even, uh, you know, at the beginning of the episode here, when we heard some of the players speaking, uh, there was mentions about that, that it just, they sort of looked past uh, this opponent or just didn't take this opponent uh, as serious as maybe they took Portland a few days before. So they had uh, RGV come into town, um, a team that has been struggling for wins, and they put up a big old goose egg there on the scoreboard. Oh, and they also gave up two goals um, in the first half. So probably wasn't the funnest or most exciting night for you guys in, in the coalition out there on the bleachers, right, Dylan? Yeah, it was it was really frustrating to watch. Um, I was a little bit wary, despite what I had said on last week's pod, just because they had taken another Orange County team that was in really good form and beaten them 2-0. And I would actually wager that the first loss um, in Texas was actually the better match for Orange County. Um, that second goal came pretty late on, and, and they were pressing, trying to get an equalizer, and then yeah, I think it was like 85th or 89th minute, um, no one's really back, and, and uh, RGV gets their second goal. This one was substantially more disappointing, where we had, uh, what, I think 15-ish minutes, or I guess later than that, uh, 30 and uh, somewhere into stoppage time of the first half, going down two goals. Um, the first one was interesting, watching um, Zaldivar actually kind of throw out his hand at um, Hashimoto twice, um, as he was running up to take his shot and get away with it. Um, it looked from our angle, which was facing the two, that Hashimoto just took two blows to the chest. Um, but he seems like he's a pretty quiet guy and, and just likes to get his head down and, and keep playing the ball. So had those blows come to someone else, um, they likely would have reacted uh, differently or just have uh, had reacted and maybe gone down and there would have been a foul called. Instead, the ref, although basically being right there, probably couldn't see that there was contact and the assistant referee on the far side um, couldn't see anything all night. So, um, <laughs> you know, 
that one, he could have been closed down a little bit more by a supporting player, but there was definitely a foul that should have been called. Um, the play up to that point was was disappointing as well. And that second goal was just another questionable <laughs> um, free kick. And it's just, it's one of those matches that's frustrating. The team seemed to switch off for it, and, and we've talked about this happening multiple times, and in addition to that, the refereeing didn't help. Uh, we saw a little bit of that when they played um, Golden State Force in the Open Cup this season, where they just seemed to switch off, and then by the or time they Galaxy really kicked too, it too. on... Yeah, as well. Um, and by the time they really seemed to kick on, it was it was too late. Um, the 2-2 draw against Portland was, was surprising, um, having given up those two goals, but they looked a little more promising the second half in that match. The uh, Tilna lost to RGV... They, they didn't particularly look promising until they started pressing, and, and by that point, I think it was it was too late on. Um, Aiden Quinn came pretty close with with two free kicks, um, but Tyler Derrick, um, or whatever his name is, I really don't care what his name is, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> he seemed to have the game of his life, I guess. He was just there to whatever shot got there. Um, and the reason I say that I don't uh, care what I think it's Tyler Derrick. Let me look it up really quick. Yeah, Tyler Derrick's name is, is I can't believe that he has a contract or that teams well, a team welcomed him back. Um, I get that the RGV is the affiliate of the Dynamo, but um, and this is a little less soccer-based, but anytime a, a player has a domestic violence issue, it it's a little more questionable than maybe like violent conduct on a, on a pitch. Um, so... Seeing him welcome back again was was frustrating, um, and it's especially frustrating when they have a great night. Well, yeah, he had a, a you know team of the week performance against Orange County, so yeah, definitely uh, when you know it, it was probably a, just a frustrating night all around for an Orange County soccer club fan. Uh, we should be used to it by now, you know. I Dylan talking talked a little bit about you know some questionable things from the refs. I mean, I think by now, Dylan, we should just. I mean, it, it's just going to happen. We know it's going to happen pretty much every match. Uh, it, it, it's frustrating, um, but, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, and just, again, to see the team or the players, um, I guess, underperform. I mean, this is, this is one of those matches. This is a – it doesn't seem like it when you go into the match. It's, it's a bottom-of-the-league team. It's a team that's been struggling – it's a team that has really nothing to play for except for being a spoiler out there. And, and as Orange County, you're a team that's battling for not just, you know, top four. You're battling for first place now in the West where you're at entering this match. Uh, it's one of those matches where you just need to come put them away early. And, you know, if you if you get a couple quick or early goals or even one quick early goal against an RGV, it's going to do a lot to demoralize them. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where they'd be, you know, the not again we're going to lose this match now. Um, but in, in, instead, you give them a little bit of hope by letting them score not once but twice in that first half, and you put up that goose egg. Uh, at that point, RGV's looking at it, oh, we can get one of our rare victories of the season. And, hey, we can say we're the team that's beaten Orange County twice this year uh, being at the bottom, and they're sitting up there in second place right now, and we've beat them twice. I mean, uh, we just gave them too much hope, and, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, we handed them basically – their first away win um they're one seven and four away now after that after that match um and 
and Michael Seaton mentioned a little bit where, you know, the team's comfortable and just a little too comfortable for the for where we need to be at right now. Um, everyone's pretty confident, myself included, that we're going to make the playoffs. I don't remember if it's mathematically guaranteed or not yet. I don't, know, I don't think it is because the, the standings are pretty tight, but this team clearly has the quality to perform in the playoffs, so when it comes to playing these bottom-level teams, I think everyone just kind of switches off, thinks it's going to be a little bit easier. Um, from this point on, I think it really becomes Cloutier and the coaching staff's job to make sure that the team doesn't drop any more points. Um, for a few of us in the in the coalition, myself included, I want the team to be as good as possible and have the best record um, so that if we make the uh, the USL finals in the playoffs, we can just play at home, which would be substantially easier than, say, um, a December flight out to what, Cincinnati, what like Cincinnati, <laughs> which, although fun, and I've heard Nippert Stadium's amazing, is really expensive and, uh, you know, I'm on a college student's budget, so I'm going to have to make that money come from somewhere if they make it to the final, because I will go to that game, but, uh, they could switch on for these matches and pick up three points every time they play bottom level teams um you know we're not necessarily that far off the top still we're three points um we're in third off of a goal um from phoenix from being in second so we're not far off of being top and and even necessarily on the eastern side of the usl things aren't looking too terrible on on that side either um cincinnati's only on 57 points so, uh, statistically, currently, uh, just off of points, um, Orange County is the fourth or fifth, fifth best team. Sorry, no, fourth, fourth best fourth. team in the league. Math is really difficult, and this is why I'm not a math major for everyone who, li- who is listening. Um, there's a reason I, I write things instead. So, <laughs> um, yeah, things are looking great for this team, but there there is an issue when it comes to playing those teams that, that f- feature on the bottom half. Um They'll, they'll have a chance. They've had, um, coming up this Sunday, they'll have had uh, a week to prep for playing another bottom-level team in uh, Sounders 2, who are a one-position below uh, RGV. So we'll see how that comes as we, we move into this weekend. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where you start getting a little scared there because you know, now you're looking at another match where there's the potential uh, to play down to a team now, luckily, or I guess not luckily, but fortunately for Orange County, I guess we can say, is they just experienced playing down to a team and they sort of got a, uh, uh, you know, they got humbled a little bit against RGV, a team they expected to win. So uh, I, I think we've seen this and we've talked about this again in the past is typically after one of these poor performances, you see a very committed, very focused team. And although this match will be on the road in Seattle, it's a pretty long trip from Orange County up to Seattle. Uh, it's it's one of those matches, uh, you know, as a fan, you got to sort of be confident and be a little bit positive there knowing, and, and I know we hate using that confident word, but this team's got to go into that focus. This is where the coaching staff and just even the leadership, these veteran players on this team have to like talk to each other and be like, dude, you know, we, we effed up on the, the last game against RGV. It's time to, you know, let's put the focus back on and get out there and, and do what we're supposed to do. Definitely. And, and we saw the the response to um, complacency against Phoenix where they almost came back um, and then we saw it the next week where because Phoenix almost came back and, and really turned it on that last half over that match in Phoenix um, Orange County played better I think against the Lights um, because of it 
they weathered the first 15 minutes where they weren't looking that sharp, and then after that really turned it on and won 3-1. And then that match against Portland, I, I wouldn't say really falls into that at all, but they they ground out a result against a team that's been in good form and a team that's on the top half of the table, and I think they, they said, all right, well, we beat Portland, and they're substantially better than RGV, and then just kind of switched off again. So we'll see how, I guess, uh, Cloutier and the coaching staff manage as well as the players manage on, uh, on Sunday afternoon. Now this uh, this is going to be a very telling game to see which uh, or I guess how much confidence or this team has at this point that they can win um, and how focused they are. I, it, again, they they should not have lost to RGV. I mean, Dylan will probably say that. I will say that. I think most of you Orange County fans will say that. Uh, even probably many RGV teams. Yeah, <laughs> I think they would say Orange County should have won. I think Jacob would say that we should have won, and I think he, he think he did last week. I, yes. Yeah, you guys probably have this match, but well, uh, <laughs> congrats, Jacob and RGV, I guess. Well, and with minimal games left in the season now, this is this is the point where Orange County has to show uh, they're not going to take a night off, they're not going to look past opponents because eventually, especially when we get to the playoffs. You're not going to be able to look past a team. You're going to have to really focus and really uh, take each opponent seriously, whether or not you're the favorite. I mean, they're looking at going into the first round of the playoffs as a host team, uh, playing a team that's below them in the standings that probably most experts will say Orange County should win. And so they need to prove it to not just the fans right now, but they need to prove it to themselves that they can go uh, and beat a team that they're supposed to win pretty handedly and not make it you know like the the last timbers match in in irvine where they had to come back uh, against them or against rgv or against galaxy 2 the way they perform every so often in some of these matches where they just sort of lose that focus uh and and just seems like they're not really thinking that there's a need to to try your hardest so um yeah <laughs> i don't know uh i don't know if we can really pick a player of the match for the rgv match uh, I don't know if, if you have a thought on that, or is it pretty much uh, one of those matches where we just sort of have to skip that? Oh, that's a difficult question. Um, there's definitely some quality, and some and some individual players definitely had good games. Um, but just overall, and, and like Josh said, um, nobody gives a damn how you do personally when your team loses 2-0. I thought Josh had a pretty good match. I thought uh, Aiden Quinn had a pretty decent match. Um, but you know, but when you when you don't have the when outcome you, lose you want, two nil. Who gives yeah. a damn? Really? Definitely. Um, I, I didn't leave the stadium on Saturday night thinking of any positives. I was in a a bad mood, um, knowing that Orange County really should have won that game and they should have won it handily, and instead they really put up nothing against a team that is substantially worse than them. Um, so. Well, Life and, goes on. And, and the other, I guess, another frustrating thing, and this is just sort of, this is not really related to the game per se, but uh, it was military appreciation night, and the players didn't put out the performance that you probably would want to see as a fan, um, you know, especially if you're trying to honor people that help protect or help, you know, at least, you know, volunteer their lives uh, for, you know, what they, you know, what, what we believe in and stuff. Whether or not you agree with, you know, politics or whatnot, these are people that are putting their, their lives in the line for things that potentially mean something. So, uh, you know, when the team is throwing this military appreciation night and now the players are going out there and not, you know, 
I, I, I would think, you know, I, I know a lot of these players are from other countries or whatnot, but still, when you have these nights where you're trying to sort of uh, show or honor someone or, or honor a group of people, you really want to put in a performance for them, um, you know, to, you know, sort of say thank you or something, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess so. We've got a, um, we've got a Marine and a, and a, uh, to think oh and a sailor in the uh kind of like collision could not think of the navy term for a moment um so we've got a little bit of military um representation in there but i feel like i feel like know. i needed to bust out village people in the navy or something like that <laughs> yeah that would have probably <laughs> stuck it for me for whatever reason i could not figure out what uh, sailors were called but um yeah i think they would have preferred a a better <laughs> a better performance and i think everyone in the in the stadium with the exception of the few rgv fans would have preferred a better performance but um man i I don't know what to say without sounding like a broken record really um we'll see what comes you know now i sound like broken record we'll see what comes this coming weekend i mean this this next match this this has to be a victory for orange county they have to be focused um it's one of those teams that I mean, it's honestly, it's one of those those matches that you look at it. If the team comes out and does what you know they can do and don't they don't take it too easy and they don't look past the opponent. I mean, it should be it, it should be an easy victory, but uh, it's it, it should be an easy victory because you just you put your your pedal to the metal and you just get those goals on them early and then you can cruise after that. Uh, I mean, you don't always want to see that. We saw what happened in the Phoenix match, but I mean, because we did, you know, just sort of, I, I know it wasn't early, it was a little bit later in the match, but we like bombarded them with goals like that. You know, it was, it was you know, you put that knockout punch into the team, then you can coast a little bit. Although Phoenix got back into it, we had enough goals to, to win the match in this you know, same situation. Orange County needs to head to Seattle. They need to take care of business, um, focus only on Seattle and come home with the full three points. Anything less than that, um, you're gonna have some pretty upset or pretty disappointed or frustrated um, OC fans, County Line Coalition members, whatever you want to say. You'll have some disappointed fans. So um, hopefully the boys know that. I, I'm sure they do. The coaching staff, I'm sure they know that. And hopefully that's what we see uh, in this next match. I believe it's a Sunday match too, which um, you know we've talked about in the past. Sometimes when you throw these weird schedules or something like that, it can throw a team off. Um, so hopefully... Hopefully that doesn't impact them. And I think it's also an early match too. It's like a one thirty kickoff. So we have that yeah, going for us. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a weird kickoff, but I don't think Seattle necessarily spends a lot of time playing with a 12.30 kickoff either. So, you know, hopefully everyone has a nice, calm Saturday evening um, and, and they show up Sunday ready to go. Um, I think the team has the professionalism, and I don't think necessarily that Veteran veteran players like Envoldson are really gonna and Chapler are really gonna have to say all right guys like let's switch on I think everyone on the team has the quality and, and the professionalism to say last match wasn't acceptable and and we pretty much heard as much from the interviews and, and from and how the team uh, went off the pitch but they know the last match wasn't acceptable and, and they'll be looking to to put it right this week no definitely so uh, hopefully a wonderful or hopefully a positive outcome from the match this uh, Sunday uh, in Seattle. Uh, prediction, Dylan, do you have a, a number you want to throw out as far as what you think the final score will be? I was about to ask you the same. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to put out 3-0 um, Orange County. 
Uh, Seattle is a really young squad for almost the entire team. Uh, I think a significant majority of their squad is actually younger than I am. So um, it's not the high school uh, team that showed up last year because now these kids have uh, grown out a year and graduated high school. So uh, I think Orange County has the, the quality and, and they'll be looking to, to get three points back um, after last week. So 3-0 Orange County. All right. And I'll, I'll uh, do the same you know point spread there, but I'm going to go 4-1. Uh, I, I think Seattle will be able to somehow sneak a goal uh, past whoever's in goal. Hopefully, I think Andre Roll should be in there. Um, but uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think Orange County, just the, the, the experience, the, veter, uh, the veteran-laden team here in Orange County against a, a very young team uh, in Seattle, I just, I mean, and the fact that Orange County just got smacked around by a team that's pretty much in a similar position on the table as Seattle. So I think uh, Orange County comes in focus and they, they get this victory and bring back the full three points. Um, in hoping to either at least keep their position on the table or move up, uh, you know, because right now I, I know Dylan sort of mentioned a little bit here about the standings, but you got, uh, you know, you got the Western Conference right now, Orange County sitting in third. Uh, they are tied in points with Phoenix at 50 points. Uh, but, you know, you look at the tiebreakers, and, and I didn't actually know this on the tiebreakers, but the first tiebreaker is actually the number of victories. Uh, but both mm-hmm. those teams have 15, so then you go to goal differential, which Orange County's been really great at all season, uh, but Phoenix now has... So the, has Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, and Phoenix has overtaken Orange County on that, uh, at least for the Western Conference, so uh, that's what gives Phoenix the second uh, place. They have 25 goal differential, we have a 24, so not too bad there. Uh, they're both chasing Real Monarchs, who are sitting in first with 53 points uh, and 17 victories. Uh, Phoenix has one game in hand over OC and Real Monarchs have two games in hand over OC. So uh, there's a, a little bit of a disadvantage there for Orange County if they're hoping to move up on the table. So with that known, you got to just basically go into every match knowing you have to win if you want to be able to move up the table uh, any higher than third. Uh, they have a decent little cushion between themselves and fourth. Uh, Sacramento Republic has 46 points, both of them on 27 matches. So uh, no, you know, no advantage for Sacramento there. Portland Timbers, who uh, Orange County just faced at 42 points in fifth place, 41 points for Reno, 1868, 38 points for St. Louis, and 37 for Swope Park. So when you look at that, we're 13 points. Really, if you look at the next one down there, ninth place is OKC uh, at 35 points. So really, we're 15 points out of being out of the playoffs right now, sort of. Or I guess, no, the, the 37 would be the right number. So 13 out of being out of the playoffs. So I... I like you were talking about, Dylan, I don't know, you know, have they quite clinched it yet? But I think I was looking at some one of those, you know, people that do number things uh, and they have this playoff line. And I think Orange County was like right at that or maybe one point below it. So uh, things are looking yeah, good, I mean, at least as far as playoffs, but definitely need to get some victories if we want any uh, chance of moving up. For sure. Um, and a couple weeks ago uh, before the Phoenix match, uh, 538 had Orange County's a chance to make the playoffs at greater than 99%. So it wasn't quite on ice, but I mean, those, those numbers don't really lie. And, uh, if the team manages to drop that many points, I, I really don't know what to say <laughs> at that point. Um, there would definitely be a rotation at some point to find some guys who actually want to put a result out, but not something I think we'll actually have to worry about. Um, no, definitely, yeah. Phoenix and uh, Orange County have pretty similar run-ins towards towards the end of the season. 
um, kind of finishing up playing against uh, lower level teams um, and, and playing some um, playoff contenders right now but uh, I think what actually might best for this club is to, to finish around third um, the way that the seeding for the playoffs works first versus eighth, second versus seventh um, and so on um, playing a team that's like their level they're not going to have that complacency issue and I still think that Orange County probably has the most amount of quality in its squad um, in the Western Conference. Uh, no disrespect to guys like Chandler Hoffman or to Solomon Asante, um, who play for Monarchs and um, Phoenix, respectively, but, you know, th this squad is made up of so many really, really talented guys and, and guys who have gelled so well. Um, what the club done, what the club has done, and what the players have done this season is actually really special. To to bring in a pretty diverse group of guys, a pretty wide array of ages, um, and and have the mesh as they have with just about everyone um, being new, save for a few players. So yeah, we'll see how things um, uh, turn out towards the end of the season. But right now, I don't think um, third place is anything we need to worry about, especially when it's uh, one goal off of of second no um, definitely there's a lot to look forward to i think but as much as i say i think being maybe third is is best for us in the playoffs um at that same time can we win all of our games and have a really awesome goal difference and be better than cincinnati so i don't have to fly to cincinnati if we make it to the finals <laughs> that'd be great that'd um, be awesome and i'm sure everyone else who would, who would love to go to usl final game that isn't in cincinnati would agree no definitely <sighs> okay so um Let's talk really quick before we, I guess, get off topic here and just talk about randomness. Um, the Golden Boot Race, Thomas Enavolton has been in the lead for the last few weeks here, but it looks like he is now tied in the lead um, with, uh, what's his name? Cameron uh, Lancaster. Cameron Lancaster, Louisville City. They're both at 16 goals heading into these matches here. So um, definitely, I mean, the Golden Boot is sort of an afterthought when you're really talking about you want to win a championship first and foremost. Yes, the Golden Boot would be nice, and you want to see a player up there. So hopefully Thomas Enavolton can get back into the the, the scoring side of things here against uh, Seattle this weekend, and hopefully Lancaster has a bad weekend, I guess, and we can see Orange County's uh, goal scorer back up on top by himself um, for the league. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Dylan, I, I know there was on Facebook uh, some discussion about trying to figure out a chant for Thomas and Volson. Uh, you were at the match this weekend. Have you guys figured anything out yet, or is that still sort of up in the air? Um, I think it's still up in the air. I, I don't use Facebook, so I actually didn't see. Um, but we've been kind of talking about it, like, all right, this guy is the top scorer on our team, and he's been amazing, and he's, he's amazing quality. Um. Maybe we should figure out a chant for him. I mean, Walker Hume's got his own, which is probably not repeatable on this podcast. And, uh, you know, Richard Chaplow's got one that's... Or he's actually got a couple, and those are similarly uh, not repeatable on this podcast. Dude, so, what's up with you guys? Come on. Got to do um, some family-friendly chants, right? We have some family-friendly chants. You know, stuff about the referee. Um, one of them about the referee, I guess. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, we got to sort something out for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, the season doesn't have. We don't have much time left. I mean, I threw up a couple. Of, I threw up a great. couple suggestions on on Facebook. Uh, you know, people come up with something. I don't care what it is. It could be the most generic thing in the world. I mean, I threw up. I th I threw up. Uh, everyone knows that that bingo song. That dog. 
Uh, I just even threw up, you know, you know, just chanting, he's our super Dane, he's our super Dane, he's our super Dane, Thomas Ennevolt. And I know it doesn't quite, quite rhyme right, right, rhyme right, but heck, you know, at least something so you can be chanting for him. Um, but yeah. That's that's probably better than what <laughs> I could come up with. I've been now having some chants bumping around in my head um, as I'm trying to think, but well, I'm like, we'll my, sort it out. He deserves it. But my, I mean, my it's not like we're just sitting out there in silence. <laughs> yeah. My know, spursiness was coming up with, uh, well, yeah, I guess that's, I, I wasn't even thinking when I came up with that one, right? And then I was thinking, you know, everyone knows, uh, well, not everyone, but Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur do the, you know, uh, when the Saints go marching in, they turn it into their little chant. I was even thinking you could do something with that melody because he has such a, a unique name. It's hard to really fit Anna Voltson into stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, we need to come up with something before the season ends, folks, because, I mean, when you have a, I, I think a Golden Boot winner or even a, someone that's at the top of the Golden Boot race has to have a chant. I mean, I think that's just sort of the rules of the game. Um, and, and maybe Most they'll definitely maybe they'll take away our, our team if we don't come up with something uh, in time for the end of the season. So um, put your yeah, heads I'll together. I'll challenge you guys. Uh, <laughs> tweet at us either Ray or, or or my Twitter account or the or the podcast Twitter account. If you have chant ideas for Thomas and Boltson, send them in. Uh, let's and let's we'll sort it out. We can take it even further. I don't know if we'll get any response from this, but. If you have a chant you can think of, don't just tweet it at us. Actually record it. Do a little soundbite of it. Email it to us. Info at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We'll play them on our next episode so that way the fans can actually hear what your thoughts sound like. Because sometimes you read these lyrics um, and someone says to this tune, but you don't, you can't quite figure out how it works out right. Let us know. Let us hear what it is because I, uh, I think almost every Orange County fan wants to have some sort of Thomas, Thomas Ennevolton chant at this point of the season. So... Let's do it. Let's uh, let's help you guys figure it out. Uh, again, just record yourself a little, you know, 15-second clip of you singing it if you're not too scared. <laughs> or do it, even if you are too scared. Think yeah, of just the, do it. Think the good that you're doing for everyone. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're sort of at a good time here. Uh, it's about what we like to do for our podcast. I know sometimes we go a little bit longer for having a lot of fun. I'm not saying this isn't fun today, but this is about a good amount of time for podcasts. Do you have any, like, random things you want to talk about, Dylan? Um, well, since we've warned everyone that the podcast is basically over, uh, if you'd <laughs> like to not hear about Spurs right now, um, please end, and, and thanks for joining us. But uh, I think, Ray, we can give you um, some bragging rights. Not that I was really doubting that Tottenham was going to win on Monday, um, or that I'm a great Man United fan anymore. But 3-0, and a, and a nice meltdown from Mourinho. That was actually that was the thing. I I, I mean, yeah, Tottenham's awesome. That was great. It was a it was a great match. Uh, that that uh, Harry King goal with the head like just sort of lofted up into the top right corner. Uh, David De Gea had zero chance of he didn't even attempt to go after it. And then Lucas Mora, man, that's basically like our new signing this year. Uh, so go Tottenham, uh, come on you Spurs. But uh, really, uh, the the Marine the Mourinho thing at the end was just that's that's the best part of that whole thing is just him acting like i guess uh, acting like a baby out there because he doesn't want to answer to these questions about what's going on or has he lost control of this team uh, of this team or what uh i guess he wants respect right yeah for past accomplishments which is due to a point sounds and like laker fans yeah for anyone that um um, I just lost. Maybe doesn't follow. Yeah, I lost I think a bunch no of. No one's Laker. now listening to the podcast, so I'll give this tidbit. Um, 
if anyone doesn't follow United or Spurs, uh, one, I don't blame you, and two, um, imagine Richard Chaplow being put as the rightmost center back in a back three for an Orange County game, and just imagine how that would go um, against a team that, let's say against um, Real, Salt Real Salt Lake Monarchs, just imagine how that defense would go, um, playing in an out-of-player position uh, in defense in a very important game. But again, so, <laughs> the best part of it was uh, was the whole after the after the whole thing. So, yeah, definitely the the Mourinho thing at the end was just amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't think there's much else to talk about. For those of you that continued listening to us uh, after I you know started talking about premier league and spurs and then bashing lakers fans for uh, gl you know gloating on the past i'm you know for those of you that are new to us i'm a clipper fan and the most common thing that a clipper fan will hear is rings or look at the banners and yeah i get it you guys won a bunch of championships and rings in the past but what have you done for me lately and that's sort of the whole jose Mourinho thing um you know basically whining that he's not getting respect for his past championships uh, you got to do it now. It's, I mean, it's man, you, you're, I, I could get it if you're like at Watford or at Burnley or something like that, but you're, you're a freaking man, you, that's like the like epitome of English Premier League soccer, at least, you know, when you look at just how popular they are around the world. So yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if we're talking about looking at the banners, there's a lot of uh, Kings banner. Wow. Yeah. I've now alienated the ducks so there's absolutely no one listening to this podcast now but there's a fair amount of king's banners there up there too yeah. so i'm not sure what i'm supposed to be looking at heck there's a sparks banner i think or i don't know if it's there anymore i don't know i think taylor swift even got a banner before the clippers she so. does have a banner but don't get me started <laughs> on that one all right well let's go ahead and end it before we just start talking about random banners up at stable center like you guys really want to hear that anyways um but yeah so I want to thank you all for listening. I, I did forget to mention this before, so let's just mention it now. Remember that uh, the Orange Black Soccer Cast is part of the Beautiful Game Network. BGN.FM is where you can go to find not just our podcast, but many other podcasts. A lot of them are USL-based. Uh, we've talked to some of those people in the past. Uh, Jacob from Down in the Valley, he was on with us on our last episode. Uh, so, I mean, check them out. Listen to some of those podcasts so you can learn more about our opponents. Um, you can also go on there to read some great USL articles. Uh, there's great coverage there. Um, also, our friends over at Angels on Parade, uh, they not only you know pr help promote our podcast, but they also cover do a great job of covering Orange County Soccer Club, and they've been doing that for a few years now. So I want to thank those people. Head on over to our website. I've sort of done a little bit of redesigning of our website. Um, let me know what you think. Drop us a, a note. Go to the contact section to let us know what you think of it. Uh, I'm still tinkering with some things on there, but feel free to just go check it out uh, on our website. You can listen to any of our episodes. You can also get links to all of the Orange County news uh, that we can find on the on the web. I basically go and scour the web a couple times a day each day to find links to all the top stories. Uh, so you don't have to do that. So feel free to go check that out. Um, yeah, with that said, uh, for those of you that have been listening to us since the beginning, thanks for coming back each ever, uh, each episode. For those of you that are just joining us more recently, or if this is your first episode, go back and listen to some episodes. Visit our website, orangeandblacksoccercast.com, to let us know what you think or listen to some of those episodes. And with that said, uh, for Dylan, this is Ray, and we are out.
podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm.